great time that we already have in the presence of the Lord. Welcome to Bethany Church. We are so glad you are joining us and watching us on and watching online. This is the day the Lord has made. And as we're watching from different parts of the city, the state, and, and as we've noticed through our analytics from the world, God is with you. My name is Brandon. I'm so privileged to be one of the pastors here at Bethany, a place that exists to love. We want to welcome you. Um, and if this is your first or second or third time, maybe just watching or joining us, we are so glad you're taking some time out to be here because we believe that God has a word for you and for me, for our world right now. We're in desperate need of hope. With all that is going on, we can all use a bit more hope about truth and about how to cope and handle these days that we are in. And in this time where we are, where we need to be more physically isolated, of course, it's more important that we are spiritually and emotionally connected with one another. And so here at Bethany, we're always seeking ways to connect one, to connect people with one another, because that's what, I mean, science is even proven, that's what we need as humans. You see, humans need connections like bees need a hive. We cannot live in our four walls forever without going days upon days, without seeing people. And, and if you're longing right where you are to just, to be connected, to see people, to talk, we want to help provide those ways to be connected. So I just wanna provide a couple things that might encourage you and help you as we continue in this time of worship. And then we're going to, um, then we're going to receive an offering and sing another song and have an encouraging message for you. And that will be what our service looks like today. Um, I want to invite you uh, to uh, fill out a connection card, which for us is usually on paper, but now it's just emailing us at info at bethanyonline.net. We'd love to know how we can be praying for you. We'd love to know how you're doing, how your family is doing. So email us now. Let us know how things are going for you. How and or maybe there have been praises. I've been I've been learning and connecting with some in the Bethany family and hearing about ways the Lord has been showing grace and favor. So we we want to hear about those praises as well, and along with those prayers. So remember, I want to encourage you to check our website regularly. It's a great time, a great way to be connected. So that's Bethany BethanyOnline.net. Um, and it's a great way to get our, the daily encouraging word that our pastor um, posts every day and, and find out other ways you can be connected. So stay connected on our website regularly, okay? And also, listen, these have been such challenging times, but we want to, but, uh, but we want to encourage every one of you to join us again next Sunday as we share together in communion. And you might be, you know, you may not have any uh, juice or wine or cracker in your home, and that's okay. You know, I actually had a friend some years ago, I was talking to them, and at their church, um, they, at their, their time of communion, they used green tea and a matcha, and a matcha cracker. You see, that was what was culturally relevant for them as a term, in terms of recognizing the sacrifice that Jesus paid and gave. Um, and was, but the new life that we all have in him. So we want to invite you, hey, maybe you have pineapple juice or maybe it's just water. You can gather elements that would be utilized to share in communion with us next Sunday. So we invite you to get creative or maybe you have a delivery of groceries coming in the next, in the next week. You can add some grape juice if that's, what's, if that's what's normal for you and that's what you like. But we, either way, 
that we want to invite you to join us in sharing together communion. As we are all just scattered around different places, we can still have a togetherness in what we're doing as a church. So we want to encourage you to do that. And then also, I just want to, it's been such, I mean, the last couple of weeks have really been so full. As the rest of the world, again, has been pressing um, slow or pause, the church is pressing play. You know, and I just want to remind, I just want to encourage you with some great things that's still going on in ministry. I want you to make sure you uh, check out Bethany's children's ministry, uh, Glow Kids, which just previously held a, vi a, a virtual spirit week and are also posting midweek lessons for your little ones or your kiddos, your nieces or nephews. So go to our website. You can also get connected on their Facebook page with ways of encouraging your kiddos right at home. There, we have such great, a great team that is giving leadership to, our, to Bethany's children's ministry. And that is happening day in and day out, still going on. Our junior high and high school ministries, are, they started, I mean, really a tremendous YouTube channel. They're still having virtual connections as well, times of meeting. They even held a virtual movie night. Yes, I said a virtual movie night. They were supposed to go to the drive-in but they had a virtual drive-in instead. There's, I mean, our leaders are tremendous and they are hard at work with creating tangible ways of connecting people during these times. And so we wanna get you connected or your little ones, your junior high or high school connected as well to be in God's word, to gain wisdom for these times. I had the great privilege also this week of connecting with our college and young adults. Hey, if you're a college student or a young adult, we meet, we gather every week virtually still, you know, where we can be encouraged, connect with one another and, and then seek God in his word. So there's still connecting going on. There's still service going on. And last week under our food pantry provided much needed food supplies for dozens of families and individuals. Some of those requests came from the ministry we just started two weeks ago, the food delivery ministry, where um, for those 60 and older, we have volunteers who drive a bag of food to, um, to someone who's elderly to provide that for them who cannot get out the house now. See, that is all made possible. That is still happening because of your prayers, your involvement here at Bethany. It is still going on and we continue to do what we can during this time to serve the homeless in our community. And also don't be surprised if you get a call from someone on the pastoral team, we're making calls, just wellness checks. Hey, how are you doing? Seeing how things are going for you and your family. But most of all, to ask, hey, what are some things you're holding in your hands that we can help together be put in God's hands? So ministry is revving up and it's all made possible because of your prayers, your, the involvement of so many tremendous volunteers. I mean, we're just, we have so many of you who have said yes to helping those in need that we haven't been able to use all those volunteers on our list yet. That's how amazing and outrageous the response of love and mercy has been here at the Bethany family. So, but this, and we just wanna encourage you to continue to pray for us. And as we're praying for you, and now as we receive our offering there, you can still participate. You make this kind of ministry possible by your faithful giving, your, your tithes and your offerings. So you can take a moment even now as we get ready to pray and sing a song before our word, before the message is given, to go to BethanyOnline.net where you can click give and where you can continue the work that is going on to meet tangible needs during this challenging hour in our world but we serve a good and a gracious God who in spite of what's going on, wants to be with us right where we need him most. 
and wants to fill us with his mercy and love today. So as we pray, I want to, invite, I want to encourage you to be asking God for, what, for the things that not only you need, but asking God to hear that you might hear from the Lord this morning, that you might hear from his, uh, just from his, hear his voice as he ministers to your heart. Let us pray and then let us continue in our worship. Good and gracious God, we thank you for life this morning. And as so many of us are gathered here together this morning, you know the areas in which we stand in need. You know the ways in which we need more patience this week. We know the ways in which you've been, we've been calling on you for provision. We know the way, you know the ways in which, Lord, we've just been struggling as we've been discouraged and even depressed by some of the circumstances that fall on our family, on our loved ones and our friends. So God, this morning, we come with a joyful heart and full of expectancy, asking that you would speak to us this morning and we might be encouraged. We thank you and, we, and as we give to you, we give unashamedly and we give without, we give not begrudgingly, but joyfully with open hands as you continue to help and minister to your people in this community, this city, and through this, the world. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and you can say right from where you are, amen. Studying God's word today is going to reflect on the reality that God is a good, good father, worthy of our praise and worthy right now even of our trust. We're in the 40 days of Lent, that season of time that goes from Ash Wednesday up till what we call Passion Week, the week starting with Palm Sunday that culminates in the upper room, in the Last Supper, in the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, in his unlawful arrest, his, in a sense, mock trial. He was tried four different times, pronounced innocent of every crime each of those four times but still sentenced to death, executed on a cross that's reserved for the lowest of the criminals, even though he had done no wrong. He carried on his shoulders the sins of us all. Today I want to focus specifically on a verse, a passage of Scripture that's come to my mind as this week uh, we've seen the news of the coronavirus, COVID-19, spreading far more pervasively, pervasively than uh, it was just a week ago when we met together. Uh, and uh, just the reality of America soaring past China in the case of the number of uh, cases and uh, more coming out as more and more people are being tested. We need a word of encouragement from God's word. I think you do. I know I do. So uh, I want to ask you to Pray with me as we start our time in uh, Psalm 91. Uh, living God, we ask you to meet with us. It is so foreign, it's so off-putting not to be together with uh, the church family that we love, to see each other's faces, to greet each other warmly, to give hugs, words of encouragement. But God, we count on the reality that we are in your presence that there is a river that flows from the city of God that makes glad the people of God. We pray that that river would be flowing 
from your heart of love to every room, every car, every laptop or television or cell phone that is uh, the focus of someone who is one of your children, one of the children that you love and that you died for and that you're praying for right now. May your encouragement be with all of us as we open your word. We ask it to speak to us, that it would speak to us clearly. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. I want to talk about the fact that whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's how Psalm 91 begins. It's one of the most well-known songs, and I suspect one of the most well prayed psalms has throughout the course of human history, uh, and it will continue to be, I believe, uh, in our time, in our era as well. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. They will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, and surely He will save you from the Fowler's snare, the hunter's trap, the hunter's pit, and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. So you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the in the day, uh, excuse me in, in the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday a thousand may fall at your side 10,000 at your right hand but it will not come near you you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked if you say the lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your feet against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because they love me, declares the Lord, I will rescue them. I will protect them, for they acknowledge my name. They will call on me, and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. And with long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. What does Psalm 1 have to say to you and I at this horrific season in our lives together? Well, I believe it tells us uh, it features, in a sense, uh, three individuals or three people or three entities, the troubles that we're all experiencing and have for many years. The reality of the trust in God that 
enables us to survive the troubles. And then God's perspective, his own perspective on these troubles that can transform our experience of this season of, in our lives. Number one, write down that every day, Psalm 91 tells us that every day, dangers and snares threaten us. Every day, dangers and snares threaten us. Now, this was true last week when the number of uh, cases in the U.S. was more like 20 or 30,000. And it's true today. But it's been true throughout the, the course of human history. Look at the lists of challenges, struggles, enemies, if you will, difficulties, challenges that human beings have dealt with since the beginning of human history. The fowler's snare, the deadly pestilence, the terror of night, the arrow that flies by day. And then these words, as I was thinking this week and the last couple of weeks about our situation, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, the, the plague that destroys at midday, the harm or calamity that overtakes us, disaster, possibly another reference to plague that comes near our tent, striking our foot against a stone. That's what we could call, one writer calls it, minor injuries. Minor injuries, but uh, if we're trying to make our way throughout our world uh, and follow in the ways of God, that phrase, in, in our, all our ways, is there in the passage, uh, and our foot strikes against a stone, then we have a hard time making progress in life. And some imagine that this psalm may be a reference to the traits of the people of God uh, throughout uh, Israel as they return to Israel to worship in the temple and describes many of the literal dangers that the people may encounter on their way into the presence of God, into the city of the king, into the house of God, into the very presence of the Most High God. Striking our foot against a stone seems like a minor injury. But verse 13, the lion and the cobra, those are major dangers. The great lion and the serpent, those are things we don't want to address, we don't want to deal with. But sometimes we don't have any choice through the course of everyday life. The great lion comes, uh, reminds me, I guess, of the passage of Scripture that tells us that our adversary is like a roaring lion, rushing around seeking whom he may devour. The serpent reminds us of the serpent in Genesis and his attempts to deceive and distract, to confuse and to complicate the clear word of God that brings life and hope to all humanity. You and I face deadly snares. And yet, Number two, write down, and yet every day we find security and rest in God alone. The psalmist starts, and some believe that the psalmist here is David. We don't know conclusively, but he starts with an affirmation of praise, of, of, of hope, of trust. It says, whoever dwells 
in the shelter of the Most High, whoever lives in the presence of the living God, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High. It calls to mind other passages of Scripture. The previous psalm, Psalm 90, that is the only psalm written by, composed by Moses, starts off, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. God, you have been our home. You've been our place of refuge, of safety, of security throughout all generations. It's reminiscent of uh, other passages of Scripture. In Deuteronomy 33, 27, it reminds us that the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. I grew up hearing my father quote this many, many times in various uh, messages. My dad was a pastor, and he would say that the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he said that word under mean kind of communicates an idea to us. That underneath you and I, down deeper than we could ever fall, are the everlasting arms. Nothing can happen to us but that God is present with us. Psalm 71 talks about our refuge, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 71, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. You see, in a little bit we're going to see the things throughout this psalm that God and God alone can do. The way he is our refuge. The way he will protect us. We have to start with reality, with those dangers and snares that we encounter every day. But there's a choice that we have to make every day. Every day. We have to choose to dwell, to make our home to live in close proximity to, to keep in step with the Most High who is our shelter. And if we do just that, if we choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, then, I believe, it's almost like an if-then clause that's rotating throughout this passage. Yes, there's trouble, but if we dwell in the presence of God, if we look to Him for our safety, for our security, even at a time when we're worried that we'll be in contact with someone who actually has this pernicious virus or that we'll contract this virus ourselves. But our focus is not on this deadly sickness that has gripped our world and now gone far beyond half a million people who have been impacted and tens of thousands who have lost their lives in many countries. But our focus is not on this virus. And that's difficult because it's easy when we're sort of stuck at home. Some are able to telecommute, but even in our own church family, we already know there are people who have had their hours uh, severely reduced 
where there are a number of people who have lost their jobs in this season, in this time. We hope it's for a short, short period of time. And yet, our focus is something that we have control over. And we choose to focus on the Most High who provides us with shelter. And if we do that, we can rest in His shadow. Number two, there's something else that we do when we find security and rest in God alone. We say things. We say all kinds of things, some that are positive, some that are negative. We say, I'm so stupid, or I'm so worried, or I'm so frightened. Or I'm so saturated with bad news. I'm so over hearing about self-isolation or quarantine or social distancing. And yet we know it's necessary. Some people try to brave it out. And yet medical authorities tell us that they're actually foolishing it out, if you will. It's a poor choice. They may come through unscathed, but they may have contracted this virus and be carriers and not even know it, endangering people who are far more vulnerable than they are. It's a time for unselfish living, for focusing our lives on serving other people. So there are things that we can say during this season. They say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is the one I put my trust in. He's the one in whom my confidence is in. My refuge, my fortress, my God, and it's in him that I trust. Verse 9 says, if you say another uh, verbalization of trust in God, we have to sometimes tell ourselves what to think. Otherwise, our emotions run away with us. Otherwise, the distressing news all around us that come to us uh, from being maybe oversaturated with media or television or the Internet or social media, even though we're coming to you, only coming to you right now uh, on social media through FaceTime Live, through YouTube Live. But what, is our, what are our thoughts framed by? And if you say that the Lord is my refuge, and if you make the most high your dwelling, these phrases are, are piling up now, the refuge, the one in whom we trust, our dwelling, our dwelling place, then things will happen. And God's intervention will keep our minds, our hearts, our souls, our spirit, our bodies from being overwhelmed in the cavalcade of negative information. And most information right now seems negative. There is some good news. More people got tested this week. That's why the numbers of confirmed cases in the United States skyrocketed. It's good news that there's more tests that are available. We praise God for that. We've seen stories of human decency, of kindness, of first responders, including our medical first responders and doctors and nurses and EMTs and retired hospital workers who have returned to their posts in order to uh, fill in the gap, there is good news also. But our focus 
needs to be on the Lord, our refuge. And we need to make, it's a decision. He's either our dwelling or he isn't. And he's the almighty God. And verse 14 it turns a corner in the psalm because starting in verse 14, there's a new speaker. The psalmist was speaking, and then it seems like a friend of the psalmist starting in maybe verse 2 or 3, possibly a priest, possibly a prophet, possibly it's king, the king himself. In verse 14, God himself speaks. God himself takes the microphone. God himself addresses himself, looks into our faces, looks deeply into our eyes, and he begins to speak. And the first thing he says is this, that because they love me, says the Lord, and because they acknowledge my name, and because they call on me, then certain things happen. A couple of writers in a recently released study of the book of Psalms said this. You may want to fill in a couple of blanks here. There's just two blanks. They said this in a summary of what we've been looking at. They said, choosing, choosing to dwell in the shelter of God Most High, that choice leads to a position of rest under his protective care. Say we're being picked on as a kid. Say bad things are happening to us as an adult. And then a bigger, stronger helper, God, our ever-present help in times of trouble, as we saw in Psalm 46. A bigger, stronger helper comes alongside us and says, uh, I'd like to take up your cause. I'd like to be your advocate. I'd like to be, in fact, more than that, your refuge, your shelter. I'd like to fight your fight on your behalf. But we say, no, I think I'm doing okay on my own. We say, no, I think I've got kind of enough money to ride this out. We say, no, I think this virus is going to peak in a couple days and uh, we'll go on like nothing happened. And we, and we push away that refuge. We, we choose to not make our home in that dwelling place. We choose to not take advantage of this gift that has been offered to us of protection and security and rest. Well, choosing to dwell in the shelter of God Most High leads to a position of rest because we're under his protective care. I believe that this season of time, and right now we're coming to the, basically the close of a 15-day uh, uh, time of uh, social isolation that our government authorities have urged on us to try to slow the progression of this disease, to try to flatten the curve, as we say. And uh, when I look at the curve, I do once a day, I try to limit myself to that. There's a literal curve of the number of cases that looks a little bit like this, starts like this, and then a couple weeks ago took off with hundreds, then 1,000, then I think last week was like 22,000, and this week a staggering amount. Worldwide, almost uh, over a half a million people. It's moving fast. 
But I believe this season could be a time when we actually grow as men and women, as followers of Jesus, if we put our trust in him. And so as we look back on these phrases that we've just kind of collected, reading the psalm, I was struck so much that there was kind of a words of, I guess, if you will, our own decision, our own choice, in the middle of things that we have no decision about, we have no control over, are definitely not our choice, the troubles that we're going through. So we can ask ourselves, though, based on these verses we've just read, we can ask ourselves, are we dwelling in the shelter of the Most High? Am I making God the one that I turn to, the one that I look to, the one that I depend on during a very uncertain season? If I dwell in the shelter of the Most High, I can rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Secondly, do we say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God? In Him, I trust. He's the one I believe in. He's the one I have the confidence will see me through. If we do that, our circumstances change. And what follows? Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. There are dangers that kind of happen to us, and some come from other people. Some come from enemies who may attack us. And some come from uh, unseen enemies that attack us, like this word pestilence. He can save us from the attack of military attack as happened so often in the ancient Near Eastern world. They were so vulnerable in those days. And in many ways, things haven't changed very much. But they were also vulnerable, and on the battlefield, it was not unusual for there to be massive loss of life because of the deadly pestilence, because of the diseases that come and ravage an army. It happened in the ancient world. We know of uh, cases going back into the Old Testament as we study that. And so many thousands and tens of thousands of people lost their lives, not in battle, but against diseases. We, we know studying the history of uh, our own nation, in the Civil War particularly, there were so many people who died not through a direct military encounter, but because of diseases or because of plagues that's also mentioned. The bubonic plague possibly is in evidence here. And almost uh, three-quarters of a of $100,000, that many men, that many soldiers were lost in battle, but not in a military way, to disease. These words resonate with us, and throughout the course of human history, as the people of God have, on a, kind of a continuous or a ongoing basis, been faced with these kinds of deadly diseases, God's people have turned over and over and over to Psalm 91. That God can save us from the fowler's snare. He can save us from the deadly pestilence. We don't have to fear the terror of night, the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague, and possibly this is an intensification, possibly refers, a scholar, Old Testament scholar Bruce Waltke says, to, to an epidemic, a plague that is so horrendous and so severe that it becomes an epidemic. It becomes a pandemic. 
and yet God can take care of us. Do we say a third bullet there? The Lord is my refuge. We need to verbalize these things because we verbalize all kinds of other catastrophic things. Do we say, fourth bullet, are we making the most high our dwelling? Is he the one in whom we live and we move and we enjoy our existence? Right now, most of us are kind of cooped up in our houses, in our homes. And yet, we can make our place of residence the dwelling of the Most High God, the shelter of the God who loves us, created us, sent his Son to communicate his love to us, died for us, was raised on the third day, and lives to intercede for us. We can make ourselves at home in our homes in God, the Father who created us, the Savior who died for us and lives to intercede for us, and the Holy Spirit who can give us strength, who can give us power for everyday living. Next bullet, do we love the Lord with everything we've got? Verse 14, when God begins to speak, he says, because they love me, because they love me, I will rescue them, I'll protect them. Do we love the Lord with everything we've got? Some people call Christianity a, a religion of rules, of regulations. The entire First Testament or Hebrew scriptures, some people say, well, that's just law. That's just law. That's just God's demand on human beings. It's so unfair. But even the law itself, the Ten Commandments, the most kind of obvious section that most of us grew up with the translation or hearing it like this, thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt not. God just cares about what we don't do. And yet the Ten Commandments don't actually start with thou shalt or thou shalt not. The Ten Commandments start with God's initiative, with God's goodness, with God's grace, with God's mercy. The Ten Commandments start like this. I am the Lord your God who called you out of slavery, out of Egypt, and brought you into a new home, a new land, flowing with all the things you could possibly enjoy in an agrarian society. It was ver ver verbalized like this, into a land flowing with milk and honey, into homes that you did not build and the fields, fields that you did not plant and cultivate. I did this because I love you, because you're my children, and I love you. They start with God's initiative, never with human initiative. Deuteronomy 7, it's not in your notes, but you just write down that Deuteronomy 7, uh, verses 7 through 9, as paraphrased by Eugene Peterson in the message, says that God wasn't attracted to you and I and didn't choose you and I because we were big and important. In fact, there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love keeping the promise he made to our ancestors. God stepped in and mightily brought you back out of that world of slavery, freed you from the iron grip of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So know this, that God, your God, is God indeed. A God that you can depend on, and he keeps his covenant of loyal love. 
do we love him in return with everything that we've got? Because that's the summary from Jesus of the Hebrew Scriptures. People ask Jesus on several occasions. Jesus gave us the, the short version of these many pages, the three-quarters of our kind of English Bibles that we enjoy. And he says, well, it's simple, love. Love God and love people. And this is a time, an era, a season, an epoch in human history when, like never before, we need to love God with everything we've got, heart, soul, mind, spirit. And we need to love the people around us, not just the closest people around us, but all people around us who are grieving, who are suffering, who are fearful, who are anxious, who are worried, who are sick, who are dying, who are needing supplies to care for the sick. We need to love the people around us, take care of their needs just like we take care of our own needs. A couple more bullets. Are we acknowledging his name? Are we acknowledging his name? To acknowledge God, in the middle of that, in the English word, is the word no. They acknowledge my name, God says in verse 14. They acknowledge my name. In other words, they, they know my name. They, they know who I am. And we're going to look at the fact that in this psalm, we've already seen about four different names for God, as well as some metaphors for God that we'll look at. They, they know my name. They, they, knew who I, they know who I am because the the name of a person in the ancient Near Eastern world, the name of a person, and still to some day true in our era, the name of a person reveals their character. It tells us who they are. That's why the first thing that God did when he encountered Moses, who was freaked out beyond all being freaked out on the backside of the desert. Like the, the desert's bad, but this is like the bad neighborhood of the desert. In the middle of nowhere, and God shows up in a burning bush, and God takes care to let Moses know his name because he wants Moses to know him. And he wants you and I to know him. Do we honestly know who God is? Now is the time for researching that, for studying that, for cultivating that relationship because that will transform our spirits, our attitude, and our experience of what it's like going through this time. Finally, do we call on him? God says, because they love me, because they know who I am, because they call on me, they tell me when they're in trouble. Do we? Is that what you're doing right now? Are you calling on the God who is our shelter and refuge and fortress when troubles show up. Every day, number one, we said, dangers and snares threaten us. And every day, we find security and rest in God alone. Number three, starting in verse 14, God assures us, I'll be there when you need me. The great Motown hit, I'll be there. Just call when you need me. Who's it that will, who is it that will be there when we need him? The one who reveals himself by his names. Letter A. The names of God tell us who he is. Four of them at least that we see in this passage. He is the most high. 
He is the Almighty. In the face of a disease, a disease that seems unstoppable, God is the Most High. In the face, the threat under the threat of a disease that seems irresistible, He is the Almighty. When we are threatened to kind of just give up internally, to quit, we feel paralyzed. We don't know how to go on. We remember He's the Lord. And then finally, some of the names of God can sometimes become abstractions for us, just ideas. But the fourth name of God, as he reveals himself to us, is personalized by the psalmist. He is my God. He's the one in whom I trust. The names of God tell us who he is, tells us that he will be there when we need him. Then there's metaphors for God. Let her be metaphors for God. Think of these kind of word pictures, if you will, for who God is. He is, starting uh, back in the early part of the psalm, he is the shelter that we dwell in. He, he is the, the shelter we dwell in. He's the home that we find ourselves living in, that we make ourselves at home with. And he's the shadow that we rest in. If we are living because of his love, if we live and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, we, we encounter a shadow because we are in close proximity to the one who is radiant with light and life and love and joy. And if we're close enough to him, as you can see behind me, there's a shadow. And when we're close to God, we can go through all kinds of horrors and yet know we're not alone. We can rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He is my refuge to hide in, Scripture tells us here, and my fortress to find protection in. Nobody's going to get through his walls. He is a picture cut up here of a mother hen. It says his feathers will cover us. There's a, a militancy to some of the images used, a shelter, a refuge, a fortress. But now he's a maternal figure whose feathers cover us, comfort us, warm our hearts, calm our spirits, and whose wings we will find refuge under. It's like a mother hen who is drawing together her beloved sons and daughters, if you will, to protect them, to encourage them, to give them hope. And he's the one whose faithfulness will be our shield, another military figure. The psalm probably addressed initially to the king who's on his way to battle and the army that is following the king. And his faithfulness, his own trust in God, because you know Jesus is the one to whom these psalms pointed. And he is one who took these psalms into his mind and heart and spirit and lived them out even when he was in trouble. Scholars believe that on his way to the cross, Jesus was quoting psalm after psalm after psalm. 
when he was in the desert, having gone without food for 40 days fasting and being tested by the devil. He quotes Psalm 91, or he responds with Psalm 91 language to the devil who is trying to pervert the word of God. He's faithful to the God that cares for him, even when he goes to the cross. He's our shield to protect us. He's our rampart that keeps us protected when we're in our home, our dwelling. The names of God, the metaphors of God, let us see the actions of God. The actions to God. Verse 1, he provides the shelter we can dwell in, the shadow that we can rest in. In verse 3 to 13, he is the one who saves us from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He covers us with his, his feathers. Under his wings we find refuge. His faithfulness is our shield and our rampart. We don't have to fear the terror of night or the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Things seem a little bit worse sometimes in the middle of the night. Nor the plague or even epidemic that destroys when the sun is out. Other people may be impacted, but God promises, and again, in a military context, our safety, our security, if we make him our shelter, and if we say the Lord is our refuge, we make the Most High our dwelling, no harm or calamity will overtake us, no disaster will come near our tent or the place where we reside, that's our prayer right now. That's my prayer for all of you who are watching, those who are part of the Bethany family, those who've just kind of tuned in, uh, uh, maybe out of boredom or frustration from being stuck at home. God says he can take care of us. He can care for us. He will get us through. And then the last three verses where God himself, as it were, takes the mic or takes the pen or looks into our worried, troubled faces and says, because you love me, I will rescue you. I will protect you. Because you understand who I am, you can call on me. I'll answer you. I'm going to be with you in trouble. Notice that it says, I'll be with you in trouble, which does not say that if you love me, you will never have trouble again. It says that when you encounter trouble, and you will, you're not alone. I'm with you. I will deliver them. I'm not just with you. I have the power to deliver you. I will honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them. And I will show them my salvation. How do we kind of pray this now for ourselves? How do we pray it? We recognize that our only way through the difficult times that we're in is to put our con con uh, confidence in God. This is not a kind of a black and white, simplistic, naive discussion from someone who has never had difficulty or pain. David suffered in warfare. He suffered in his personal life. He suffered because of his own stupidity and foolishness and sin and mistakes. In life, we have troubles. In life, we get overwhelmed. In life, we are worried and fearful and frightened. In life, we feel alone. And yet, we have a choice. We have a choice. And when we choose to dwell in the shelter of God Most High, that leads to a position of rest under his protective care. 
I'd like to pray for you right now. We're going to sing a closing song. Living God, I pray for everyone who is listening this morning or will hear this uh, later today or through this week. And I pray that you will encourage their hearts that if you call me, I'll be there. If you need me, I'll be around. If you let me know what's going on in your life, I'll walk with you, even through the valley of the shadow of death, so you don't have to fear evil. I'm your refuge, your fortress. I'm the feathers that cover you and the wings under, who, under which you can find refuge. Thank you, God, that in times of uncertainty, times of outright fear, we can look to you. And everything begins to change. And all God's people said, here and at home, all God's people said, amen. Yes, Lord, may it be. May we build our lives on the rock. May we choose to dwell in the shelter of the Almighty God, the Most High God, and experience the rest that only He can provide for us. Thanks for being part of our service today. You're not alone. You are loved. You are prayed for. I want to close with this word. And now may the God of hope, that's who He is, may He fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. That's our part. As you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit amen hallelujah god bless you